Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, your favorite Gundam podcast. My name is Isaac. And my name is Brian, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. From the anime, to the music, to the movies, to the models, to the food, to the clothes, you name it, we do it. Isn't that right, Isaac? That's absolutely right, General Brian. Today... We're talking about something pretty fun. It's another top five episode. Oh my god, aren't these the best, Brian? Like, I mean, this this is like this is like playground level, you know, lunch table discussion type material that we can all relate to. <laughs> it is, but it's a little. We're putting a little bit of a spin on it today, right, Isaac? Ooh. I mean, listeners, we started out wanting to do a top five mobile armors episode, but That's then true, yeah. I think we got. A little bit hung up on how to do that, how to compare mobile armors, you know, across the different years, the different timelines, etc. And so we came up with a, a new way of doing it. What is that way, <laughs> Isaac? I kind of screwed it up because I said top five. This is really isn't a top five. It's an award show. <laughs> yeah, I know it's an award show. <laughs> but you know what? A top five was initially our idea, but that evolved into something better, which is the award show. Today is the first mobile armor award show. Now, when we think of awards, we think generally positive. <laughs> Not all the awards are positive. Isn't that right, Brian? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to do the Oscars and the Razzies tonight. Yes, that's right. It's an award show, everybody, for mobile armors across the universal century. I have maybe three disclaimers before we start, Isaac. Oh, boy. All right. Everybody listen. And I don't know if you agree with all these, but the first one, as you mentioned, this is only going to be Universal Century. This does not include alternate timelines. We'll save that Mobile Armor Award show for a different day. Yeah. Second disclaimer. This is true for me. I don't know about you. Oh, boy. We are not including transformable mobile suits that have a mobile armor mode, such as the Ashimar, the Boundock, the Gaplant, the Ham, the Hambrabi, those kind of things. What do you think about that? You read my mind, Brian, because let's think about it. It's a mobile armor mode. It's right. not that they're mobile armors. It's just the mode. So this wipes out, dare I say, half or more of the mobile <laughs> suits from Zeta and Double Zeta because all those could transform. It. Almost all of them could transform into right. mobile armor mode. And th they're really just mobile suits that have like a flight mode. Come on, let's be honest. Right, exactly. So, yeah, those won't be appearing. Our, our rule almost is mobile armors don't really transform per se, right? And they're not humanoid. So that's kind of our basis for what is actually up for contention in the award show. Right. So for, I would say we're only going to include things that are no doubt mobile armors. When you look at them, you think that's definitely a mobile armor. Yeah. The one I would allow Isaac, I guess, is the Psycho Gundam. That, I would consider that. That's Although that's kind of like a mobile fortress sort of, I don't know. But I kind of agree, uh, yeah. I would allow that in this show because uh, it's really big, right? Right. But, but you know what? I'm going to make a prediction right now at the beginning. That's not on anywhere on your <laughs> on your list of awards. <laughs> it is it is not. It is not. It is not okay. on the good list or the bad list. And you know why, right? Because I think we both kind of agree. As far as mobile armors go, it, it was kind of mediocre to the point where it shouldn't get any recognition because it's just <laughs> a big Gundam that turns into a big Gundam head. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't strike me as like overly great or overly bad. It was cool in the show, but you know, for yeah. an award show, eh. This is going to be the cool the cool ones or the the ones that are worth, you know, the Razzie award. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then disclaimer number three, Isaac, Gundam is a big universe. We are clearly not aware of all mobile armors, nor do we claim to be. 
And honestly, right. Isaac, I could not find a good all-encompassing list of just mobile armors. I wish MAHQ or the wiki or someone had a data set with tags that you could filter on. You know, is this unit a suit, an armor, a fortress, or another, or something like that? So if someone has that out there, I would love to see it and, and understand how complete it is. Yeah. You know, with that in mind, I'm sure there are some other mobile armors out there that we don't know about that might change our opinion on these one day. But for now, this is our awards for the year 2022. Oh my God, this might be a thing. This is the first annual <laughs> mobile <laughs> armor award show brought to you by Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> insert you know catchy intro like is there gonna be a part where like shalia bull comes off the the audience and like walks up stage and like slaps me <laughs> <laughs> yes leave my mobile armor's name out of your mouth <laughs> <laughs> well i guess we know who's on isaac's list <laughs> no <laughs> shalia bull. All right. we'll see we'll see Ooh, but where where is it um okay <laughs> last two things isaac before we start oh if this was a real award show what would the award look like and what would the award be called is is it like a little statue of like the big zom and are are these like the zombies or like you know what are what are we giving <laughs> zombies, out here zombies the biggies the armies it'd be the armies i think <laughs> like the little mobile armor oh there you go yeah i think it would be the golden explosion <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like a black little you know the little cylinder mound and then above that is like a golden little explosion <laughs> I love that because I is, there's no mobile armor that ever survives, right? Yeah. I mean, well, hmm, let's see. Looking at my list. Actually, no. No. None of these survive. <laughs> That's how it goes in the world of mobile armors. Man, talk about a suicide mission. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think it should be, Brian? Like, yeah, I was, I was just thinking like little big zombs because they're the only ones that really have legs. Yes. That's true. But I like the explosion idea. That That's pretty... F- Maybe, it could, like, in the explosion, there could be different pieces of the different mobile armors. You can't tell which one blew up, because they all blow up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brian. How, how many categories do we have? Uh, I believe we have... Is it six? One, two... I count six. Okay. There's six. Maybe seven. Oh, there might be a surprise. Ooh, a surprise right. section. We'll see. Off the cuff. <laughs> so let's start easy, Isaac. Let's start with least memorable least memorable wow okay now what comes to mind for the least memorable mobile armor should be nothing because you don't remember it (laughs) (laughs) and with that logic in mind i chose ironically the first mobile armor that appears in 0079 Mm -hmm. this was when the white base was going over the ocean and the mad angler squadron decided to attack it oh they're on the job right they're gonna be the ones to do it yeah right um so (laughs) they're equipped with the first ever mobile armor now they don't really explain this in the series but my headcanon is things are going so bad for zeon well wait (laughs) the first one was the adzom Oh, well, come on. That doesn't count. That was <laughs> oh, okay. th- th- that was a mobile walking fortress. <laughs> and it did terrible, right? That's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Th- let, let me say that this is the first recognizable mobile armor, right? Adzen's, uh, they're almost like on the level of like a, a small big tray or something, right? Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Anyways, so this is the first time we see a mobile armor as we know them. It's got the mono eye, kind of a more predator, kind of sinister look to it. And this mobile armor, for least memorable, I picked the Grublo, 
which was used by the Mad Angler Squadron to attack the White Base and the Gundam. If you remember this thing, it had two kind of claw arms in its swim maneuver mode. They were swept back, but they could be kind of brought forward to like attack and grab and stuff like that. It was kind of a reddish orange, and as usual, it was destroyed by the Gundam in like five minutes. <laughs> so even though it was kind of adds an aside, the first mobile armor out the gate, it did not do well. And we've never seen anything aquatic as far as mobile armors ever again, for a good reason. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I put it down as least memorable. Nobody mentions the name Grublo. Nobody uh, flashes the design more. I mean, there's way more perf- worse performing mobile armors that people are able to recognize, and, and you see their names way more often. So for that reason, I chose the Grublo. It was so early, but it still had the same result as all the other mobile armors. That it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> you would think that Xeon mobile armor pilots would stay away from Amuro's beam sabers, right? Yeah, but I mean, you could say that about everything, right? Like the fleets and then yeah, the, the, the Doms and the Zakus and the, the Gelgoogs, but that, that never really... Even the officers, the more intelligent officers like Makuve, they still they were still so gung-ho about getting that Gundam. I am special. I will do it. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I think that that mobile armor in Unicorn was actually an amphibious one, although I don't feel like we saw it too much underwater. What was it? It was the Shamblow? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. It it did kind of emerge onto right. the coast, but, right? Well, we didn't see it really fight underwater, did we? I don't remember. No, it might have been a case of, you know, they're really not going to send gyms down there, so just get to the beach and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian, what is your least memorable Okay, I actually have two answers for this one, because one is kind of like a technicality, so I'm not sure if it counts, um, and it might be a bit of a cop-out answer. But my first reaction was that it's the Opsilus 2. Wow. Because the only difference between the Opsilus 1 and the Opsilus 2 is that they paired the Opsilus 1 a little bit, but then they just added the Mega Particle Cannon. Other than that, they just look the same. So in my opinion, that's not worth a 2. It's, it's the same thing. If you ask people who watch the show... How many Opsilus were there? People would say two. There's the one that flies around and then the one at the end on the legs. No one would ever tell you that there's a third one. So I think it's a bit of a technicality, but I don't think it deserves a number. So that's why I don't think anyone would remember it's a separate mobile armor, technically. I completely agree with you. There, there's no way to defeat that logic. I mean, remember, we had a read about, like, what, where was the Opsilus 2? Right. Because we knew, we knew we saw one. Yes. We saw three. And then we were wondering, what was two? Did we like miss an episode? Was it a deleted episode? Is yes. is two when they slapped that Zaku helmet on? <laughs> so, but no, it was just inoperable cannon to operable cannon. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the Zaku head because so apparently there's a, a manga adaptation of the series uh, to some extent, and it's called Mobile Suit Gundam: The Eighth MS Team UC 79 Plus Alpha. In it, there's an extra version of the Opsilus, the Opsilus Zero. It's like very unfinished, or it's still like a real work in progress. And it it all, it literally has the top half of a Zaku instead of a, a, just the Zaku head. There's a top half of a Zaku sticking out of the top. Okay, that's more interesting at least, you know. It's still kind of Zaku tank vibes, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But see, that should be the Opsilus 1. The one we see in the show should be the Opsilus 2. And then Opsilus 3 can remain the same. Yeah, or, or one should have been just completely almost spherical. And then when we see two, it's like, oh, okay, clearly they put in the weapon dish for the cannon. Okay, so my, my second answer to that, if, if you don't like that answer, people, my second answer was, 
simply <laughs> was the big rang, which was a big row modified to have that sort of ogo repair manufacturer thing in the back. Wow. For least memorable. Well, let me hear you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, because no one watched the show. So by default, it's the least memorable because no one's ever heard about it. I, I suppose so. And to an extent, it's less its own mobile armor and more a mashup of a, <laughs> of a right. repair bay and an existing mobile armor. I can kind of see your point there. It was kind of forgotten, <laughs> except by the Ogo pilots that lived. <laughs> But I agree, though, that if you do watch it, it is definitely memorable. So it's a bit of a technicality again. Yeah. All right, let's do best performance, Isaac. Ah, best performance. I was pretty conflicted with this. So initially I wanted to say, oh, this is easy, Big Zom. But then I wanted to backtrack and stop and say, you know what? Big Zom came out swinging, but at the same time, at the end of the day, one mobile suit took it out. And it's almost a cop-out to pick Big Zom like saying you know oh the the best weapons are new because like well come on you know <laughs> so <laughs> i i wanted to kind of push the big zom aside because we all know it's great and powerful i wanted to see okay what what really performed the best and my first one is in this tie for best performance is the Opsilus. now mm. this all really came down to its mega particle beam cannon or super mega particle beam cannon whatever you call it the Opsilus was really unstoppable as far as being able to blow through a mountain and destroy everyone in its path and seemingly it would have worked on Jabrell as originally attempted right yep yeah i think we can all agree on that so i believe it performed the best in that extent what it was purpose-built for firing that beam cannon destroying everything in its path didn't actually get to attack Jabrell. if it did that'd be really interesting but <laughs> it didn't so i think that kind of performed the best and my second one <laughs> is actually Big Rang because Big Rang did exactly what it was supposed to do. It performed exactly how it was intended. It repaired all the Zogos, it defended its section of the battlefield, and it just fried anything that was in front of it. Sure, it ended up being destroyed at the end, but it, it had such a, a good performing ejection system that it's one of the few mobile armors that had its pilot survive. <laughs> mm, that's a good point that's a good yeah. point so i i try to get as technical as i could in my analysis of well Opsilus is a big beam cannon uh big rang is a big you know repair unit as far as i was concerned they performed the best in their function they didn't necessarily live to see another day but um i, I felt like out of the mobile armors their performance was the best to their intention Got it. Okay, I, I like yeah. those choices. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to choose the cop-out answer, so I chose oh, the big no. Zom. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree that it kind of depends on how you define best performance. I think that it gave you the best bang for your buck for time operational. Like, in that short amount of time, Dozel wiped out a ton of gyms, a ton of balls. I don't remember how many Salamis or Magellans, but it was, it was quite a few. And it was in a very short amount of time which means that it was doing exactly what it was designed to do and nothing was really going to stand in its way with the exception of a new type, essentially. Right. Right. If, if Amuro had been on the other side of the battlefield, who knows how much more damage the Big Zom could have done, right? It does not rely on new types, right? It's, it's an old type mobile armor. True. You could argue that Elmuth was also very effective. Like there was that one episode where they were testing out the, the, uh, the bits. Yeah. But that relies on a new type and, uh, and, you know, it gave her headaches and stuff, blah, blah, blah. So maybe not the most effective there. 
I thought the Big Zom did it when it counted, and it kind of ran into a fluke of, oh, here's the other side's top pilot in their top weapon. No one was going to beat that, really. My runner-up for that, I was thinking, what mobile armor was, like, unstoppable, like the Big Zom? Neo Zeong and Unicorn was pretty... Or Neo Jong, probably, and Unicorn was... <laughs> Neo uh, Jong. Was pretty unstoppable as well. So I, I didn't choose that one, but um, I think that would be a, another good one. Yeah, unstoppable until it came up against the big... <laughs> The big beam from the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I got hit with some new type space magic, so. There you go, yeah. All right, I mean, that's very respectable. And the big Zom was almost single-handedly defending Solomon at a point. <laughs> yeah, right? So if Amuro wasn't there, he could have just flown out and been like, I'm just going to take out your whole fleet. Yeah, and I think he did, right, to the Tianan fleet, or at least the command section of it, I guess, that was at yeah. the solar the solar system. All right, Isaac, how about we move to your suggestion, most craptacular? Uh, most craptacular. Craptacular, for our uninformed listeners, is it's very much the opposite of spectacular. So <laughs> where something is spectacular and it's filled with, you know, coolness and wow and it's excitement, craptacular is filled with uh, and, you know, just your, your the, those emojis when you type in uh. You know, UGH, where it's just like, oh, come on. Like, really? Is this happening? Like, why? <laughs> you know, that, that type of thinking when you see it. So, once again, I almost had a three-way tie here, Brian. And the third runner-up for most craptacular, I put the bra bro. That was almost entirely built on, you know, Shalia Bull being such a great ace and then, you know, not doing too great. Well, actually, let me take that back. He did pretty good, all things considered, because he gave Amuro such a run for his money, and he did so much damage to the Gundam. But ultimately, the Brabra was destroyed, and I think we both agreed what a what a hideous kind of design it is, right? Yeah, it's not my favorite. And also, he, you're right, he, I think he did well, considering that he had never been in it before. Right, yeah. Your yeah. first battles against the Gundam, that, that's kind of bad luck right there. Right, yeah. For that reason, I kind of wanted to give him more credit and say, you know what, you don't deserve this award. <laughs> you did enough damage to the Gundam that you don't really need this award. So then it came down to two for me, Brian. And you know, I think, okay. what two of these are. <laughs> Isaac's tie for most craptacular goes to the Rafflesia and the Alpha Azeru. Now, the Rafflesia mm. is from Gundam <laughs> F91. And if you remember, at the end of the movie... Corozo Rona, a.k.a. Iron Mask, gets into a mobile armor to go out and fight, you know, the F-91 and whatever the heck Cecily was, was piloting. Um, and, and this thing is like, uh, Rafflesia is a type of flower, apparently. Uh, this thing was a flower-shaped mobile armor, and it had like a glass dome that he sat in, fully exposed, I've never seen a mobile armor like this before, and and he did pretty horribly, you know, as usual. Sibo killed him in a few minutes. It, the reason <laughs> it was craptacular, number one, was not just his poor performance, but Rafflesia has, like, nothing to do with Crossbone Vanguard, and that always bothered me. Like, it should have been some type of skull or, like, a skeleton hand or something like that, you know? That would have been very Crossbone Vanguard-ish. Mm, yeah. And then that ties with... The Alpha Azeru, which we all know I can't stand, <laughs> that was piloted by Quest Pariah in Shar's counterattack. Now, the Alpha Azeru was almost a step backwards in mobile armor development. 
because <laughs> people say, oh, this is based on, you know, it's the evolved uh, Neue Zeal and, and all that. But I don't see how because it seemed like it had less weapons than the Neue Zeal. It, it seemed like it was just so much slower than the Neue Zeal, less armored. It had those two giant fuel containers, but like it never really went that fast. And it, it seemingly only had... Well, maybe there was like a beam or a chest, uh, a chest beam weapon or a mouth beam weapon, but it also had these, these flyby wire lasers that it had, but that was such a step back at this point in UC technology because we had things like bits and sure it had some bits, but there was no need for it to have flyby wire weapons. That was stuff that the Neue Zeal had. And that also like the Reflesia performed horribly. It got destroyed easily. I'm not sure what they were expecting given in quests and she's, you know, had less than a month of military experience. So, yeah, the, the Reflesia and the Alpha Azer, you congratulations. You can split the trophy, the award for most craptacular. <laughs> you can blow up your explosion award and then each yeah. have. Blow it up together. Take yourselves <laughs> with it. All right, Brian, what do you have for most craptacular? My pick for most craptacular is the Zegok from MS Igloo. Again, this depends on how I define craptacular. I'm not even really sure if this is a mobile armor, Isaac, but that, this is my answer. What is the Zegok, for those who don't know? It, it's like a Zegok mobile suit attached to sort of like a weapons delivery system, and they did that because they were going to make it more like a mobile armor or more like a, a single unit, but they ran out of time, so they had to bolt the top half of a Zagok onto it. And I think this is craptacular, Isaac, because no one else getting into their mobile armor thinks it's a suicide mission, usually. This one, though, you know, what is craptacular? It's getting assigned to pilot this suit because it's a crappy job. Now, I like this thing. It's neat. And I think it did a cool job in the show. It blew up five ships. But, Isaac, they launch you into the atmosphere, and you have a limited time to do your job, which is to shoot down launching federal ships from uh, Jaburo. And then when you're done, your instructions are to dive into the ocean and wait for pickup. (laughs) If that doesn't sound like it's going to go wrong to you, then I don't know. If you're saying to yourself, that's a bad idea, you're right. Because you know what happened? The pilot in the show was killed while he was waiting to go dive in the ocean and for people to pick him up. Whenever your plan ends in, well, just wait in the war zone for pickup and we'll we'll come (laughs) get you, that's never a good idea. And so that's why I picked the Z-Gok. It's craptacular getting assigned to this thing because it basically means you're going to die. Yeah, and it it assumes that not just that your forces can actually go in the ocean, but that they're on the planet, which ended up not being true for Zeon at a certain point. <laughs> Correct. I, you know, how do you know they're even going to be able to pick you up? What if you land behind enemy lines? They're not going to go get you to retrieve you know, your what's essentially a missile launcher. <laughs> what's going to happen if they send one of those super salamuses after you that like flies at Mach 10? <laughs> Man, those those MS Igloo Salamises were the fastest moving units in the in the show. And we've never seen them again. <laughs> they oh were too boy. expensive. <laughs> uh what's what's next, Brian? Alright, Isaac, let's move on to most intimidating. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. This came down to a two way tie for me again. Although I think I know which one's gonna get it ultimately. Okay. Alright. My most intimidating award initially was gonna go to the big Zom. Because when that appeared, its silhouette struck terror in the hearts of all the Federation pilots that saw it at Solomon. Unfortunately, though, 
I thought about it longer, and I looked through my little mobile armor Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just lost listeners. We just aged ourselves. <laughs> They're like, what's that? Like, what's a Rolodex? Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought about some more, and I was like, no, the Big Zom can't be the most intimidating. I know what the most intimidating is, and I'm going to give it the award for most intimidating to the Absolist. And that is because this is the only time, to my knowledge, a mobile armor has stopped the war in its tracks. Its Mm. sheer appearance, its single warning shot was enough to terrify the huge Federation army force that was outnumbering what was left of the Zeon in the area into agreeing to a little armistice ceasefire. So for that reason alone, the Opsilus is in a class of its own and deserves the most intimidating award. Brian, what do you think? I like it uh, in, on multiple levels here. So I agree. I didn't think about that that angle where it's the only one to kind of stop the battle. Mm-hmm. And then I also like it just from a, an appearance perspective because, man, the Opsilus 3 on those legs is really unnerving. <laughs> it's very spindly, right? It's like those... Yes. What is it? Camel spider? Those creepy spiders that like someone will send you a picture of and you're like, oh, uh, no. And then you, you close it. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who's like deathly afraid of spiders. So every now and then oh, in wow. college, I would send him a picture. <laughs> he was really not, not too thrilled. <laughs> I've always been curious about that, right? Because like snakes, I can understand. You know, you get bit by a snake, you can die. But no one's ever been killed by a spider. <laughs> oh, no. Isaac, have you seen those big spiders in the jungles of like South America? <laughs> No, oh, man. I have, they're well, like don't, don't, you know don't several feet across. <laughs> they're they have, that's terrible. I think you're talking about like the Goliath tarantula, right? Like the the Amazonian tarantula that like it's so big it can like eat birds and stuff like Maybe, that. But th- yeah. those don't bother humans. <laughs> yeah, I would send this guy pictures of that thing from the rainforest. Oh boy, no. <laughs> but those yeah, those legs, those really spindly. It's it's very it's very other. It's very uh, tripod like. It's uh, yeah. it's very unnerving, and and especially in in the context of the battle, right? The whole battlefield was looking at this thing perched atop those those legs, so it was kind of like the focus of attention. And uh, and you're right, the, the the beam cannon served. It was kind of like Sauron's eye, just like looking at anyone, <laughs> like don't you dare move, or I will, you know, incinerate you. Exactly. Yeah. Now that I think about it, Brian, did it need to unfold those legs in order to fire? Because well, I, I kind of just ruined my own question. All right, continuing. Um, (laughs) What I was going to say was, did it need to open those legs in order to fire? And then I was thinking back, well, didn't it not need to open legs in order to fire Jabro in the simulation? But then again, that was a simulation by the Federation based on what they knew. For all they knew, the thing could fire from air without unfolding. So maybe Mm. it really did need to unfold in order to fire. I think the legs had those cooling units on it, right? So maybe this was not the final version. Maybe there would have been one more that was a little more maneuverable because it was kind of just sitting there, right? Yeah, that's true. And I doubt the Federation will let him set up into <laughs> into siege mode. <laughs> Hold on, guys. In the jungles of the Amazon. And like, uh, and let me just set up my shot here. You know, the, the, they would have flooded the area with, you know, fighter craft and tanks and everything else. <laughs> I need a solid 45 minutes to get this thing up and running. (laughs) He's got jet lag. He flew all the way from Southeast Asia. (laughs) All right, Isaac. My pick for most intimidating is the Divinidad from Crossbone Gundam. Wow. I mean, (laughs) listeners, in all honesty, this kind of fell off my radar because I was cycling through all my mobile armors. And wow, this, yeah. Wow, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. 
so when they when the divinidads emerged i honestly thought the heroes were going to lose <laughs> that's how the the uc ends <laughs> yeah it was just that was that's it. how it becomes we the done. jupiter century <laughs> yeah because if you remember isaac in crossbone gundam like the crossbone gundams were good within the context of their series but at that point in the story i i believe the x2 was still operational so we only had two good guy crossbone guns. We had the X1 with Seabook and the X3 with Tobia. And then the, the page where these things emerge, the entrance was perfect. They were hidden in those uh, ships. It was sudden. You weren't expecting it. They were enormous relative yeah. to the suits around them. And the numbers, Isaac, it wasn't one Divinidad. No. There were, I don't even remember how many there were. There were at least six. It was like six eight. to eight, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like six, six to nine, possibly. Yeah. And then the design of them, they're just like these skeletal yeah, death angel bird things. Death Pope. Yeah. With these <laughs> giant claws. I mean, you know, when all of a sudden these things emerged all at once, I was like, well, there's no way that our two good guy Gundams are going to do this. It's just not possible. I think that for that two uh, chapters in that manga, those things were the most terrifying things in the battlefield. Now, that said, the reason why this win's most intimidating and not best performance is because they honestly didn't do that well, Isaac. I mean, they were kind of just overwhelmed by the colony army forces you know, by sheer numbers. And it, it didn't yeah. seem like Crux and all the Crux uh, clones or whatever whatever they were called, um, you know, were, were, didn't seem like they were that great of pilots. Right. I, I would like to see that clarified slash expanded upon if it ever gets animated. I think we need to see more of how the Divinidads go down. So the Divinidad, just from pretty much from its entrance alone, you know, and rel- its its size, scale, look relative to everything else in the battlefield, that's the only mobile armor that I've ever looked at and been like, wow, the good guys are going to lose. Like, I, I don't yeah. feel like there's a shot here. Did they each have world-ending weapons, or was it only Dolgati Prime that had enough nukes to destroy earth just with itself they all had the nukes if i recall correctly oh, okay. but dogati prime was the only one that made it to earth of course <laughs> he clearly did spend some time in like the combat simulator <laughs> yeah he had good ideas right like he was smart enough to, to make that break yeah. to earth it just it didn't work out yeah if your massive dreadnought gets shattered in half get in your divinidad and leave <laughs> that's that's step one <laughs> Don't stay on the ship. <laughs> he was a wise man, that Dogati. Yeah, up, up until the end. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, I think we should go to worst design. All right, this is interesting. Again, this is me battling it out, but I think I know which one won. Okay. It came down to two for me for ugliest design award. Mm-hmm. The first one is one that a lot of people think is pretty cool, but you actually don't see almost the entire thing in one single frame. And I'm talking about the Shamblo from Unicorn. Mm. So uh, this thing is, it's sort of like a, oh, how would you even describe it? Uh, the, a, a, a turtle brontosaurus of doom. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of spread out and squatty, you know, and it's got like these big <laughs> red legs and it's got like, it's kind of, it's pointed pterodactyl head thing. If you really look at it, it's a mess of a design. It almost shouldn't qualify as a mobile armor, maybe a mobile fortress or something, but it's chaos thrown together. And I know it had its cool weapon where, you know, it it floats up the little reflectors and it does its little grid of lasers that chops everything up and kills all the civilians in the city. You're so terrible. So (laughs) yeah, I I was never a fan of the design. I thought it was ugly. It's all size and no substance. 
But then I thought to myself, no, this cannot happen. <laughs> because Brian and I, I think our minds are in sync on who has to get ugliest design. And this goes to one of the first mobile armors, actually maybe the first one we saw in space, the Zacrello mm. in 0079. For those of you who don't recall, because there were a lot of mobile armors in 0079, the Zacrello was the ugly kind of pincer-armed one that had like these booster cylinders underneath it. It was this like taxi cab yellow. It did really <laughs> bad. And, yeah, it was killed in like within the first few minutes of its battle with the Gundam. Like it didn't even, you know, oh, I'll fight you later, Gundam pilot and white base. No, completely destroyed in the first few minutes. It's an ugly design. It has pincers for God knows why. <laughs> Nobody else has pincers in space. People have like heat weapons or beam weapons or or something, you know. But they gave it pincers, little scythe arms, like a like a bee drill or something. And uh, <laughs> it's ugly to look at. It's I assume was difficult to pilot, ugly to pilot. Like a fighter, a starfighter, you have to get in close and chop them up or use the, the one beam weapon in the mouth. So I think the Zaccarello ends up taking Ugliest Design Award. Well, Isaac, you're right. I fully agree with you. <laughs> the Zaccarello is the worst design of any mobile armor, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, for why, I wrote, just look at it. <laughs> it's a real piece of work. It looks like an insect version of Pac-Man that has scyther arms from Pokemon, and then you strapped two booster rockets to it, but then Pac-Man also has giant teeth. Why does it have teeth, Isaac? What are they going to use the teeth for? Chomping. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to chomp on those space gyms. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it, it just screams like it was made to be a bad guy in a children's show. And I think I just hate it because it doesn't look like a real war machine relative to, like, the Gundam standard. So this isn't to say that everything in Gundam looks like a real war machine, but, like, this one definitely does not. Yeah. You know, there's there's degrees on that scale, and this one is, like, far on the side of, like, this is, like, way out there. So there actually is an updated design. I don't know if you saw this, Isaac. That looks a little bit better. It's still Ooh. not great but it, the updated one is a little bit more modern i hope the designer was court-martialed for poor performance <laughs> i think it was designed by uh kunio okawara or however you say his name who designed pretty much everything so you know i met the zionic oh oh yeah <laughs> the engineer team. <laughs> not the actual designer <laughs> oh god <laughs> The Japanese military sent some MPs over to to Sunrise headquarters. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> we're here to talk to one of your cartoonists. Look, this guy, he's got to go. <laughs> like, hey, wait a minute. I'm not even in the military. How can I get court-martialed? <laughs> the emperor's orders. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. Is, does it have a manufacturer here in the wiki? Let's see. This looks so much better. The only thing I would add is maybe... Maybe we do like those kind of yellow lines along the uh, the edges of the scythe, the, mm. those little scythe arms, so we know that they're heat blades. Yeah, I agree. That would have been great. That would have made it butter. <laughs> <laughs> it was designed by MIP or MIP. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they designed much, a right? A stupid design from a stupid name company. <laughs> this is their creations according to the wiki. So they've got the Zuccarello. Apparently that was then developed into the Brawrello, which I've never heard of. To my disclaimer earlier, I've never heard of the Brawrello. That one actually is even uglier than the Zacrello. Oh, God. They, they designed the Dop, and surprisingly the Zagok. So look at that. Huh. You know what, Brian? A broken clock is right twice a day. 
<laughs> yeah. They also designed the big row. I could see that. And the yeah. big rough and the grub low. Wow. What is the big rough? Let's check that out. Big rough. Big rough. Oh, okay. The big rough is just a big row with like kind of a rocket underneath it. That's acceptable. The big row wasn't too ugly or anything. The grub low, it wasn't ugly either. So yeah, MIP, MIP. Hmm. Uh, but Isaac, on the Shamblo, I'm curious out there, listeners, What does everyone love the Shamblo? I, I don't know what the fandom thinks about Unicorn in general, other than I, I know a lot of people like the show, but yeah. what do people think about the Shamblo and the Neo Jong? The Shamblo, I agree with you. I think it's over-designed a bit. Yeah. I would go as far as to say people that like the episode, the Sham- or at least the battle the Shamblo appears in, you don't like the design. You liked the the flashing weapons and you know all the destruction that happened and the fight that it had with the unicorn. That's what you like. You don't like the design of it per se. We're talking about the design. So that, that's why it earned that award for me because like you said, Brian, it's too much going on. Nothing really looks like this, and it's kind of just a hideous mess of of legs. It is. It's kind of like, if I had to describe it, I would say it's like the Sazabi did like the fusion dance from Dragon Ball with Skylinks from Transformers, and then you would put those two together, you would get the Shamblo. Yeah, yeah. It was clearly designed by somebody that saw the Sazabi in action, or the Nightingale or something, and said, well, let's just... Let's just give it a bunch of legs and a bunch of new <laughs> beam weapons. And yeah, it'll, it'll be so big. It can't even fly. We just, it has to march over to <laughs> march over to where we're attacking. Yeah. I'll, I'll save this for the unicorn episode, but I was kind of underwhelmed by how it went out. Yeah. Right. It was, it's a mobile armor designed to attack cities, not necessarily fight mobile suits. So, yeah. and, and I think we saw that very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Took a nice shot to the face and kind of yeah, went down. It's, it's great for taking out a city, but other than that, it's not very defensible. <laughs> I was reading on the wiki, the, the version of it in the novel, I feel like it did a lot more damage in the novel. It's, apparently it killed 40,000 people in the novel, so that's a lot. It kind of looked like it did. Did it? Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Isaac, that brings us to our final category, best design. Well, a lot goes into a design. We're talking about how it performs, its speed visually it's design how it looks almost how much we we kind of like it overall so the coolest design yeah really that involves again everything from the weapons to you know how its optics and sensors are it's it is it symmetrical is it not symmetrical you know how how did the design look when it was in combat and flying around so for me brian this was the easiest one of all <laughs> and we all know which one i'm gonna pick brian knows i know we do the award for best design mobile armor, it's going to the Noya Zeal, which appeared in 0083. What can I say about the Noya Zeal that hasn't already been said? In the words of Gato, it's as if the spirit of Zeon has taken physical form. And this thing was a beast. Need I remind you listeners, Gato is not a new type, at least not a confirmed new type. He was just an old type, an ace. And this thing was a beast in its hands. The Noya Zeal was able to cut through almost everything but GP3 in the Dendrobium. <laughs> it was able to take out multiple Solomuses, multiple gyms. It was a fleet destroyer. It took out almost everything in its path but whatever Ko was piloting, unfortunately. Because as fortune would have it, the Dendrobium had an eye field 
rendering the Noyazil's beam weapons ineffective. It could still <laughs> it could still kind of use its little claw arm, I think, to to pummel it and stuff. And getting hit by a beam cannon and and you have an eye field, you're still gonna get rocked around a bit. So it's you're not fully invulnerable. But yeah, that was kind of its only short sightedness. But the Noyazil, man, my God, I I want a master grade. I want a perfect grade. It, it's incredible. That part in the in the show always makes me laugh where Gato's wingman tells him like that he's basically screwed because the, the Dendrobium has an eye field and it like renders all of his weapons useless. You know, if you're Gato, you have to be, just be like, God damn it. Like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> Apparently pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I wonder what his plan was like. Well, I mean... I can kind of focus my attack on the Dendrobium and the Dendrobium would focus on me and then the Zakus can kind of rocket it and chip it away? I don't I don't know. We, we never found out because the solar ray fired again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the solar system fired again. I mean, to his credit, he, he did well, right? He, he used the pincer arm thing to disable the Ko's eye field, right? He, he grabbed a little eye field generator on, that was exposed and just kind of crushed it, but he took a lot yeah. of damage in the process. That's how you do it. We crush things. <laughs> so isaac you're gonna be surprised here maybe oh my god my vote for best design is also the noise zeal oh uh, so i thought about it a lot and uh, i agree with you i think the noise zeal strikes the best balance of elegance and intimidation in the design it feels like it's a fully realized design it doesn't look like a prototype it doesn't look unfinished it doesn't look weird in any one spot you know, in, in the real world, we have supercars, and they all look really cool. If you ever see one drive down the street, you're like, holy crap, what is that thing? That looks awesome. You know, this is like this, a supercar-looking mobile armor. You know, the proportions are perfect. Nothing is out of place. And I've never seen another mobile armor where I take a look at it, and I'm like, that's definitely better than the Noiseal. There are some that I like. Other, You know, I, I like the Big Zom, but if I put the Big Zom next to this, I think the Noiseal clearly has a cooler design. It doesn't mean it's more intimidating or it's better than the big zom overall but from a design perspective i think the noiseal looks you know fantastic so and i think if you did that to most fans of gundam and most non-fans of gundam if you put the noiseal next to any other mobile armor and you said choose one i'm not saying noiseal would win every time but i think it would put up a good fight so i don't think there's many that look better than noiseal so now i did take a look at the noiseal 2 isaac which is the it's like the new type version of Noiseal that was developed for Shar. It has a Saikamu. I think it might even have an eye field too. Maybe they learned from last time. They're like, oh, we should put one of those on the Noiseal. But it was scrapped once he left Axis, but uh, you know, between Double Eighty Three and the Grips conflict, and uh, never built. So uh, it appears only in the video game SD Gundam G Generation. Um, one of them, I don't remember which one. But the only thing I don't like about the Noiseal Two, Isaac, is it looks maybe a little too much. A little bit into that Shamblow territory where there's a lot going on and maybe start approaching the too much. Yeah, I'd say it's it got nightingaled. So <laughs> we had a great design and then you you almost took it too far. You made it bigger where it didn't really need to be bigger. You kind of added like weight to like the back end. It's a bit excessive. <laughs> no, I like it. But yeah, you're right. I think it's excessive in the way that like the full armor double Zeta is excessive or like you said the nightingale and again i like the nightingale but sometimes a more elegant streamlined design can be better i think of the noise zeal a lot like how i think of the victory 2 gundam the v2 gundam the v2 gundam is a very simple design isaac but i think it looks great and i don't think there's anything wrong with it 
And that's kind of how I feel about the noise yield. The design is pretty great. There's nothing I can be like, I wish it had this. I don't have that feeling at all. It's perfect. They did a great job. It's such a great design. I like wonder what the animator that did it also did. Uh, yeah, so the Noise was designed by Mika Akitaka. Akitaka? I don't know how to say his name. I apologize, huh. Mr. Akitaka-san. So it looks like he did some work on Double Zeta as well as Double Eighty Three. He also did work on City Hunter. Looks like he's done some stuff for Unicorn, The Origin, even Double O. Oh, Gundam Sentinel. That makes sense. He also does the Mobile Suit Girls, Isaac. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Isaac, he also did. You're going to love this. He also did the Gabura Tetra. Wow. That explains a lot. Okay. Great. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. He's okay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> he also did the Valvaro. Okay. Even better. And speaking of the Valvaro, that was my honorable mention, not just for being, I'm not even sure what award it should get. It gets the honorable mention award. Um, <laughs> and I say this because the Valvaro it had such a cool look to it. I know some people might roll their eyes and say it's a lobster or, or a crab. Hey, hear me out. Those pincers were great. It had those cool plasma leaders. It, it had that epic beam cannon. It was just pr- pretty awesome and at a certain point unstoppable, right? Yeah. So I, I always like the Valvaro. I think that's such a great fight. And it kind of gets almost its, its own award for being able to be controlled by a man with one arm. You know, we, we've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I agree. The Velvaro was cool. Probably underappreciated. Part of me wonders, like, uh, if it was part of, like, a fleet or something, like, or what could have been, right? You know, alternate timeline. If the Velvaro did join Delaz, like, how much different would things have gone? Here's some others from Double Zeta that he did. I was just picking a few based on how they look, trying to kind of assume maybe he had something to do with it. So it looks like he did the Dovin Wolf, which is uh, one of my favorites. Ah. It's a cool one. Yeah, a little bit of the dom in that. That's three quality designs there, though. Noiseal, Dovin Wolf, Gabura Tetra. That's a great resume. This man knows what he's doing, and I think he should be given the ability to make a new Gundam. If Isaac made his own Gundam series, he would call this guy. Yeah, I'd say, you know who I am, you know who I'm calling. <laughs> I'd say, this is Sunset in California. <laughs> <laughs> we can't really tell you what to do, but we can highly suggest it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, I hope you enjoyed our first annual Mobile Armor Awards show. Isaac, I think we're curious, right, who the listeners would choose for our Mobile Armor Awards. Yeah, you heard our categories. You heard them. What about you? What What do you think should be best design? What do you think should be ugliest design? What do you think should be best performance? What do you think should be uh, most craptacular, least memorable, <laughs> mo- most intimidating? Let us know. Yeah, and then also, if you have other suggestions for other award categories, feel free to suggest those. We would be curious to hear them, as well as potentially put them on the second annual Mobile Armor Awards ceremony. And then if you think that there are some other Universal Century Mobile Armors out there that we don't know about that we should, let us know in the comments. Potentially we do know about them, we just ignored them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or they completely slipped our minds like the Divinidad did for me. How did you forget about the Divinidad? I compartmentalized my information in my head and I was like, oh, okay, mobile armors. And I was going through like all the animes and movies. And of course, I forgot manga. Well, Crocstogady forgives you, but uh, I don't. There goes my water ration. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Isaac, take us away. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed. Get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, and hail Zeon. 
Good night, everybody.